When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. Welcome to episode 124. Well, this podcast is called Is This Real Life? And um, a lot of times over the last year, I've asked myself that same question, but none more than this past week. As most of you know, I live in Washington, D.C., and I don't always talk about my job that much, but many of you know I work in public health and advocacy, and my job that I do during the day especially before COVID, allowed me to spend a lot of time on Capitol Hill. And I'm routinely there multiple times during the week, meeting with staff of members of Congress and um, senators. So what happened this week at the Capitol? Um, I know it affected all of us. Um, It really really deeply affected me. I'm trying to get through this without crying. I know this is a Real Housewives podcast, and I love being able to laugh and throw shade and chat and gossip about everything Real Housewives. But I just wanted to share a bit about my thoughts from this week um, before we get to this week's guest, who is an amazing reality TV producer. I first had an inclination that things we're going to start going south on Tuesday when, so I live a couple miles away from the Capitol and maybe a mile, mile and a half north of the White House. So farther away from where you think most of the tension would happen. But there was a man I saw when I was walking to Walgreens that had a Trump flag and was wearing this black shirt with yellow writing and it had like a number and some letters. And I didn't really understand it, but it felt unsafe. And later I realized um, it had said 6MNE. That was a shirt um, that multiple people who stormed the Capitol were wearing. And it stands for 6 million was not enough, referring to the Holocaust. And I'm Jewish and I had family perish in the Holocaust. And it is just 
uh, the words cannot describe to see something like that on a shirt in your own neighborhood. And then Wednesday rolled around and I'm staying indoors and I'm on calls and working and I start getting a flurry of text messages around 1 p.m. and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And friends and coworkers who work on the Hill were barricaded in their homes. Um, you know, people I know who were in the Capitol were going into hiding. It's just, um, it was so horrible to watch. And as it continued to unfold throughout the afternoon, I had this pit in my stomach and a fear that I personally haven't felt since I was a teenager on September 11th, not knowing what's next, not knowing if anyone's in control, just feeling um, utter devastation and confusion and wondering what the future holds for our country. When it all got to be too much and I was just in an absolute pool of tears, I took a note from Meredith Marks and said, you know what, I'm going to turn off the news. I'm going to put my phone on silent. I am disengaging. And I watched The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And the comfort that just watching that show brought me, I can't even describe. And I've spent the last few days kind of replaying what happened and thinking and, you know, wondering how could things have gotten so bad. And one of the things I keep coming back to, which I've discussed on the show a decent amount, is QAnon and the kind of web of lies and conspiracies that people who support QAnon adhere to. And that's why I always kind of point out or speak out against housewives who dabble in QAnon or other types of conspiracies, because these aren't just harmless conspiracies. These conspiracies lead to violence, disease, and death. You know, not believing that COVID is real has led to so many people getting sick and many others dying. You know, and following what happened on on Wednesday did lead to death. And there were so many people there that had their QAnon flags and QAnon shirts. And so that's why I am so freaked out, honestly, when I see Emily Simpson follow these QAnon accounts on Instagram. And when Monique dabbles in conspiracy theories, this really matters, um, I believe, because these people have a, a big following. And I'm sure a lot of you saw that um, Sarah, who was on this week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, a friend of Whitney, she um, was in Washington, D.C. at the protest. I don't know if she went into the Capitol or anything like that, but she posted pictures on her own social media. And we've heard, you know, rumors from the beginning that there was a QAnon supporter on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And it appears that Sarah did film with some of the ladies, but Bravo cut her um, because of of her QAnon support. And so um, a lot of people, myself included, wanted to hear from Whitney um, about whether or not she condemned what happened on Wednesday when she is apparently such good friends with this woman. And she um, came out and and spoke, um, obviously, against the violence. And listen, 
we all know that there are housewives and many of you who are more conservative or Republican, maybe even voted for President Trump. And that that's not what I'm talking about. People are allowed to have their own um, beliefs and opinions. What I get concerned about is when things cross over into conspiracy territory. And um, I believe it's a very slippery slope between, you know, following these conspiracy accounts and spreading misinformation and then leading to violence, which is which is what we saw this week, which is why why I speak out about that. Anyway, like all of you, I am still processing what's been happening and taking much needed breaks to disengage and to watch my favorite shows. And so I hope that this podcast um, brings you guys a needed reprieve and that you really enjoy it. Um, Just a couple quick notes. I was on the podcast Dumpster Dive this week. Um, I posted it on my Instagram stories, but we'll continue to repost. It was so fun. And um, the host, Tom, um, and his sister, Kix, are going to be on my podcast next week. So I'm super excited uh, to have them on. And so my guest this week, um, she goes by Rachel. It's an alias. Uh, she is a reality TV producer. And while she doesn't work on any of the Housewives shows now, she's worked on many different um, reality shows and docu-series in the past and has a lot of friends who um, produce for Housewives and other Bravo shows. So I tried to get some of the inside scoop of what um, producing is like, what kinds of producers there are, what what they do, what their jobs are, what it means to be a showrunner, and how they handle COVID on set, because this is something that she has actually been doing for her job. You can um, find her on Instagram at notquitereality. So um, without further ado, um, this is my conversation with Rachel, the reality TV producer. Wishing all of you health, happiness, and um, a sense of peace after this uh, really, really devastating week. I'm thinking of all of you, and um, thanks to those of you who've reached out to me, knowing I live um, pretty close to where a lot of um, really crazy things happened. So love you guys. Hope you enjoy this show. Hi, everyone. I am here with a reality TV producer. Um, She's going to go by Rachel, which is my middle name. So I really like it. And you can find her on the Instagram handle at notquitereality. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm doing okay. How are you? Hanging in there after a very rough week. Um, But... Excited to get an education from you today about the various jobs that people have who work in reality TV. Because we always talk about producers, right? And we Mm -hmm. see sometimes when they break the fourth wall, the producers. But can you talk through what it means to be a producer and the types of producers that exist? Sure. Um, So kind of like the, the bottom level producer is an associate producer and they kind of just do whatever their producer tells them to do. Um, Might be research, 
it they might be able to do some interviews, you know, like that kind of thing. And then you move up to producer and here like on reality TV is where it kind of gets interesting because there's field producers and that's who is out in the field, like on the ground every day with a cast. Um, and that's who the cast really knows in terms of mm-hmm. producers. And then um, there's a story producer, which could be back in New York. It could be in LA. It doesn't have to be in the city where, you know, you're, you're taping. And um, that person gets like notes from the day and starts to craft a story. And that person is probably only working on one episode like at a time, like maybe they'll do like three or four throughout the season, depending on what kind of show it is or whatever. So, you know, like Joe will be the story producer of, you know, episode one. And so every day when the shooting's done, he'll get the notes and, you know, start to craft a story. And so what I think is interesting is this past season on Real Housewives of Potomac, um, a lot of people were like, oh, the editing is amazing. Like the editors on Potomac are the best. And not to take anything away from them, but the story producers are writing those moments for the editors. And the, ed- the editors like assemble them, but the producers, like their post-producers, aka story producers, their main job is to write the story. And even okay. in reality TV, you know, there's a storyline. So would they be the ones to then look up like, okay, every time Kelly Dodd has been on her phone, right? Because she was complaining mm-hmm. this week about her daughter being on her phone. So they want to make her look like a hypocrite, um, kind of mm-hmm. as a joke, you know? Okay. Interesting. They So, so they um, probably are watching the footage and come up with the idea to, fl- to flash back. And then like a post AP might do the digging around for that clip got it because you know it could take a day and then what's a line producer so the line producer is there's there's like a creative side and then there's like the logistical side and on the logistical side is the line producer and they are in charge of the budget uh in charge of safety logistics hiring and so they work closely with the showrunner who oversees the entire show, all of the departments. So when the, you know, if a producer comes up with an idea, like, hey, we're in the field, we want to go horseback riding. Can we do that? Then they ask the showrunner, the showrunner goes to the line producer and says, are we insured for that? Can we do this? And then the line producer, the line producer either knows off the top of their their head or they'll contact um, their insurance company and say, hey, you know, we want to, horseback ride in the scene can we do that and something like that is usually a yes but you might get the questions of like uh has the person ever rode a horse before you know like who will be supervising it where's this horse coming from got it oh that's so interesting with insurance i've always wondered if certain housewives were like more difficult to insure for whatever reason <laughs> is that something I don't know the answer to that. However, uh, I on the shows that I've worked on, like non-housewives, our talent has had to take a physical at the beginning of each year in order to get them like reinsured. And there is sometimes different allowances for what uh, the crew is insured to do and what the talent is insured to do. So 
you know, say we want a, a person to like the talent to be on land, but we want to shoot them in a dynamic way. Um, I might have to ask if it's okay for the crew to go on a boat, but we wouldn't put the talent on a boat. So, you know, I wonder what happened um, after the famous boat ride on their way to Cartagena um, for that Roni episode, because that must have Uh been a producer's nightmare. I I think that was everyone's nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) It was a nightmare watching it. (laughs) I I think it was everyone's nightmare. And then I think when they, when they like got the footage back, like knowing that they already were okay, at least those, you know, post-production people were like, okay, we can breathe. Um, But yeah, I mean, like you can't control the ocean. That's true. That's true. Oh man. Well, you mentioned that, you also know a bit about what's going on with COVID safety with these shows. And so tell me a little bit about kind of, is it different state by state or each production company has their own kind of COVID protocols? Like how does it work? Um, So everything kind of works on its own. Like the number one thing is you have to obey each state's law. Mm -hmm. So before anything else, like that's what you have to do. Um, and in, in my case, um, once, uh, we had shut down for last season and once the pandemic kind of got slightly more in control, we were ready to start filming a new season. And before we could, we had to come up with company wide protocols and they were going to be adapted for each show. But because the show that I was working on was the first one, we based the protocols off of, you know, instances that would happen on my show. And so we had to decide if we would fly our normal crew out or if we would hire local crew. A lot of, like, normally we would just fly our crew, but uh, wherever we could, we decided, okay, like, this season we can't use our normal cameraman. We're going to have to use somebody that lives close or that can drive. So, you know, there's, that was an adjustment and we also had to figure out like our testing protocols mm-hmm. and how how often we were going to test and like when we hire people are they going to be do they, are they going to have to show us that they are negative like when we hire them and then also um, there was a consideration for say we do have to fly somebody how many days in advance do we test them and then are they going to kind of self quarantine until the time they leave. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, and, and this was, um, this became like part of my job. So instead oh, of God. just doing like my normal <laughs> one job, yeah, I, I like, you know, it's a pandemic and now I have like a job and a half and, you know, I think like what would be good to put out there in the world, if any like creative producers are listening would be bear with the logistics people because it's all new and it's always changing. And so what we did in June is not the same thing that we did in August. And it's not the same thing that we do now because rapid testing wasn't really available in the spring. Um, and then it became more available. And like at one point we had decided on a company and then by the time we were about to use them, we'd already found a better company. So Got um, that sort of thing. And then, also, like in the beginning, there was such a shortage of PPE. And yeah. um, it's like, there's kind of like the question of, do we want to try and get it? Or do we want it for like, 
you know, not take it first responders. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there's just like a whole bunch of new issues that are like thrown into the job and the people that we're like sending out there a lot of times, you know, I've been working with them for years. And so I have like a personal investment in them staying safe. You know, it's not, I'm not just like, uh, Oh, I don't have to go shoot. I don't, I don't care about it. You know, people who work in my department generally are very, very strict about safety and, and following the rules. (laughs) We like, we love rules. We love guidelines. And so, you know, sometimes like we might get a shooting plan now and say, and look through it and be like, oh, this scene, it looks like you're trying to shoot inside of a school, but could you shoot outside of the school? Or, you know, like, oh, you want to have like this person's whole family there. Instead, could it just be their one child or, or, you know, just trying to limit that and working like closely hand in hand with the creative side even more than we normally do. It's so interesting because I used to work in a little bit infection control. Like my Mm -hmm. first job um, outside of college was working um, in laboratory safety at the NIH. And so it's just, it's wild to think that people who don't have this background training are having to make decisions um, for the safety of others. And I know so many people, obviously almost every workplace had to sort of get a rundown in basic infection control at a time where we didn't really understand like mm-hmm. how exactly how COVID was spread or who was likely to spread it, you know, anything like that. And we're still learning, right? There was just information that came out today that said 59% of spread is likely from people who have no symptoms. Some are pre-symptomatic and some are just completely asymptomatic. One in four is due to asymptomatic spread completely. The person never gets sick. So it's it's really tough. And, you know, it must be really difficult. It's hard for me, though, like with the science court background to watch mm-hmm. Atlanta specifically, because they're always wearing these face shields. And face yes. shields don't do anything, really. Like they're meant to stop like the spray of fluids into your face. Like if you're a dentist or if you're operating or if you're, you know, that kind of a thing. It's not yeah. meant to be a replacement for the masks. Well, I I don't know this, but um, from my personal experience and from like watching, you know, tons of reality TV, I would um, assume and um, Stephanie Holman kind of alluded to this on uh, Dallas this week yeah. that those people already know they're negative. They've been they're they're being tested at least every 72 hours. So they they know. And so the shields like actually might just be for show to put out there to the viewer that we're being safe. I just think it gives such a bad a bad thing to put out there because then people might think, oh, well, if I wear this face shield, like it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though, that Stephanie basically said it was a closed set. Mm-hmm. But then you see Tiffany coming from work. So it's not actually a fully closed set. And I think it's great that everyone's getting tested all the time. And if it's at a time, you know, maybe this past summer or other times where it was really low infection, it'd be like, okay, but with what's going on in Los Angeles right now, mm-hmm. I can't imagine how the real housewives of Beverly Hills can even go on. 
you know, we, you had three people get sick. Right. Yeah. But so. I mean, meanwhile, Southern Charm, you know, after everybody got COVID on that cast, now they're, <laughs> now they're just like running around do like as if, you know, they live in a on an island where no one has it. So, yeah. Uh, oh, my it's, God. It's very strange. But I do feel like proud of of this industry because there's so there's like such a a big chance of more infection and considering like the amount of productions that are going on um, and the amount of tv that is still actually being filmed and being made they're like the spread has been like very minimal um yeah, and no i've noticed and, that like i i think that it's one of the better industries in terms of like risk and not ending up actually, you know, having any like devastating consequences. And I think when in the beginning, when Emily and Shannon got COVID and couldn't go on the cast trip, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that when that information got out there, other housewives were like, okay, we're really going to be locking it down, only film and then be at home so that we don't expose ourselves and we don't risk not being in scenes because they don't get paid for episodes that they're not in. Of right. course, Emily and Shannon were still shown, but, you know. Yeah, and of course, you're talking about the OC, so. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> That's wishful um, thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Although Gina seemed to take it pretty seriously. So you mentioned to me beforehand that you have a lot of friends that work in this business and produce and all kinds of stuff, both current sometimes in some housewife shows former other bravo shows is there any like kind of top of mind gossip that you'd be willing to share on any of the shows current or past that Um, maybe we wouldn't know i i can share two tidbits uh from new york Um, oh okay the first the first one is that one of my friends was working on the season with uh, Luann and the Pirate, and oh absolutely, they did. Okay. I'm <laughs> glad um, that we can put that to rest. No yes. more questions. <laughs> yes, a- absolutely, they did. And then this season, I don't know if you, in, in the beginning of the season when they were at Ramona's and, uh, it, you know, the debaucherous night with the vibrator and the chicken. Yes. Um, so Dorinda actually brought all the vibrators for everybody. I'm not sure if that is known or not, but I know okay. it. <laughs> it. Like, I, I mean, at the time it was kind of like, where did that come from? Like, why, where, why are these all here? She just brought and them out randomly. <laughs> she, she brought them to the Hamptons. Yeah. Amazing. That is so funny. I always wonder which um, housewives are production like in which they don't, you know, whether it's because the housewife is difficult or demanding, like, are there any that you think are like favorites of production or that you've heard are favorites? Uh, hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine that right now, I, I don't know this for a fact, but probably Portia and Giselle are because they're on chat room. Mm-hmm. So Bravo has, you know, like double invested in them. So I would think maybe, maybe them. Yeah, no, I've heard like rumblings of things that like Shannon's actually quite difficult um, mm-hmm. with production and that sometimes people that you think wouldn't be nice yeah. are quite nice. 
So yeah, I, I mean, like I per- I've heard that nice. Teresa is an absolute monster. Teresa, ugh. yeah, um, she is a I, monster. <laughs> I'm I, sorry for all the Trey fans. I, I don't I get it. Yeah. Also, I worked on another show that Jill Zarin came to, and mm-hmm. that was not an amazing experience. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I could see that. I could I could see that being difficult. Um, well, do you want to get into recapping this week in Bravo? Uh, yeah. Okay. I was wanted to start with Dallas because it premiered this week. So mm-hmm. I usually do recaps, but because we're going to try to go through so many different shows, I just kind of going to ask you some questions rather than go through like every single scene by scene. Oh yeah. Um, but wanted to think. Uh, wanted to ask you. What do you think of Dr. Tiffany Moon as an addition to Dallas? We're only one episode in, but thoughts? Uh, so far, I like her. Um, I think that she's going to be a grounding force on that show. I think it's interesting that she mentioned science, like the actual word science, <laughs> um, w- which I really appreciated uh, because I just I never know where the Dallas Housewives st- like stand on certain issues. So to know that somebody believes in science, I think is good. Yeah, when Cam said that she explained COVID to her kids by saying that a person ate a bat, like, yes, like, oh my God, you're, I mean, she's not necessarily wrong. We don't know how it came to be. <laughs> it likely could have originated at a wet market, right? That's definitely a possibility, but <laughs> it's just, that was crazy. Um, do you ever think that Cam is just being herself or being, like, is she playing dumb? Is she playing up her dumb blonde thing? I, I think it's both. Um, okay. Like, for instance, in when Deandra was talking about how she started seeing a shaman, Cam's face was, like, really, like, it was, she was, like, nodding along and listening and, like, so engaged. And then it cuts to her in a confessional, and she's like, what's a shaman? It sounds like a thing from Lord of the Rings. And so... <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, what? What? <laughs> so I I don't know. But one thing that I can say about Cam that has really surprised me is her, like her daughter plays football. And yeah. Cam is like so 100% like supportive of that, which I think is amazing and also surprising because Cam's like the pink, you know, princess. So I'm, I like that about her. Her kids uh, are pretty funny. I always feel bad for kids being shown on these shows because they don't really have the ability to choose when they're that young. And so Mm -hmm. I don't want them ever to be a huge storyline. I didn't really like um, Brandy's sort of storyline with her oldest girl being a brat because, I don't know, I don't feel like any child's worst years should be documented that way for the public, you know? Um, But, oh man, Cam was so funny with her kids. And I was watching her with that dog trainer and I was trying to remind myself like, am I like this? Because like when she, <laughs> when she hadn't seen her dog in a while, Fancy, and mm-hmm. Fancy came to the door and she was like, oh, who's a little girl? Who's oh, so, so sweet? You know, and I was like, uh-huh. I do that when I haven't seen my dog, you know? <laughs> like, is that yeah. bad? <laughs> well, it, it's funny because like I have, I know that over time I've started to watch TV a little bit differently than people who who don't work in TV. And so Mm -hmm. for, for me, that scene 
was when the dog trainer, like fully tatted up, um, brings out this gigantic uh, list of chores that's mm-hmm. like so neat, it's so neatly printed. And I'm thinking production must have done that for them. Like this tattoo guy didn't make this up. Like, like where did this come from? Um, and so just like my mind wandered to that. <laughs> no, totally. I'm sure there's like lots of things where they kind of come in. The, like on The Bachelor, you know, those date oh, yeah. cards are always written by production with like perfect handwriting, you know, and things like that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so the biggest kind of part of Dallas, kind of the whole theme of it all was Brandy eventually having to talk to Tiffany about her racist remarks and actions. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it just felt I felt so bad for Tiffany that she is being told by her good friend, Deandra, like, you're gonna love Brandy. She's so amazing. Don't put all of this on Tiffany, let her form her own opinion. She mm-hmm. saw the video, she can form her opinion based on that. And she can confront Brandy based on that. I don't know. What do you think I, about all those things? Um, so I feel like, um, you know, when we were talking before, kind of just like, what do you think about Brandy's apology? I, I kind of look at Brandy's situation as having three facets of it, mm-hmm. where there's the, the Brandy and her like actual apology and like behavior in the episode. And then there's also the castmates reactions to it. And then the also production and how they're kind of spinning it. And I do think that Brandy is genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when, you know, Tiffany at the end of the episode was talking to her, Brandy was like a hundred percent, like she didn't give any excuses. She has taken responsibility for it. You can see that she's a little less self-assured than she has been in previous seasons. I thought like her body language, mm-hmm. um, which to me just kind of like demonstrated that it is still weighing on her, which, you know, I am glad to see. And, and it kind of, kind of like all the castmates, except for Tiffany, well, actually Cameron didn't say anything about it, but you know, at step Stephanie says, Oh, your kids know that you're a good person, girl. And, you know, Deandra was like, Oh, she's a Christian. It's fine. Um, <laughs> which like, what? If only that made everything better. <laughs> like uh, that. I mean, I know like they're in the South, at, but like, what what i don't and then carrie um and when yeah and then i love when they show the producer questions like during confessionals so to me that's where it transitions from the cast in into the production because like in scene she is talking to brandy and is like everyone deserves a second chance um and then when she's sitting in the chair i think that it was to kind of say like okay like as production, like we want Brandy on this show, we need to like fully say why she can stay. Um, so let's ask Carrie why she like, you know, to explain the difference between what Leanne did and what Brandy did. And so that we can flash back to it and show how horrible Leanne's stuff was because it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it's kind of like, Brandy seems less offensive and more palatable because you've just know. seen Leanne's. I don't know. The the hard part about Leanne was that she just dug in and just kept oh, claiming yeah. she didn't do anything wrong. And Brandy, at first, that was her reaction. Like, she was like, it mm-hmm. was a great impression, if I say so myself. But then quickly, I think she 
realize, and I couldn't tell what made her realize it. What I wish would have been separated from her storyline on her mental health issues and having to seek Mm -hmm. treatment for being suicidal, which is very serious, is maybe some work that she could do with learning about the history of treatment of Asians in this country and, you know, Japanese internment and ever, there's so many things and actually yeah. engage with the um, Asian community, especially Asians who watch Bravo. Like there are Instagram accounts of Asians who watch Bravo. Right. Like you can mm-hmm. reach out to these people. I don't think any lawyer or any production person should prevent you from having conversations or doing an Instagram live or you just say, listen, I messed up and I want to make this better. I can't undo what I did, but I want to be an ally. And, you know, I'm going to, this is the work that I've done by, on my own. And this is the work I want to kind of support you guys with. That's sort of what I wish I would have seen. But maybe it's coming. Yeah, I mean, it might be. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. But I would say, do you watch Vander, Vanderpump Rules? Oh, I am a, my dog. His name is Stassi. Okay. <laughs> so I know. So I know when when Stassi went on um, Tamron Hall mm-hmm. and uh, and mentioned that she had a race coach. Yeah, and, diversity and Tamron was, coach. Yeah. Oh yeah, diversity coach. And, and Tamron's like, what? And I feel like the Bravo community collectively mocked that. So I don't know if it's kind of a cynical view of of me to take, but having seen that happen with Stasi. I don't know if, you know, I'm just, I'm not sure if that would have been the way with Brandy too. For whatever reason, I feel like there's so many people who have just written Stasi off and are sick of her. And no matter what she says or does, it's never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. At the same time, she could have taken more time off, right? She's not yes. on the show. She doesn't have to do this. And so it was It was kind of like her going on Tamron Hall and not being ready for prime time felt like an additional offense to the previous mm-hmm. offenses that she had done, you know? And it was almost like yeah. she went on as a teaser to see if she could, I don't know, get another show on a different network eventually. You know, so it didn't feel as genuine it would feel different if she had a different um publicist like i feel like she's yeah. always going through her publicist and her publicist is always putting out these great stories about her on us weekly and i just <laughs> it's annoying it's obnoxious and if she could just drop all the publicity and publicists and lawyers and all that and just be real and be herself i think we would get a more authentic honest version and i don't know it it may be better off eventually. Yeah. I did read today that she had her baby. So congratulations. Congratulations. Um, Hartford. Hartford, Charlie uh, Rose, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> and people um, were like, Charlie Rose, he was fired for. And I was like, then I read that Charlie is Bo's dad's name and Rose is short for Rosemary, which was her grandmother's name. Come on. People can name their kids yeah. what they want. If you're going to criticize I, I mean, her. I, I, I don't I've know heard if that's much, what it's for. <laughs> I've heard much worse names. Um, uh, yeah. So I I don't know if this is like the right time to discuss this or not, but I kind of 
in, in watching all the shows this week, like the Bravo shows, I noticed like a few common threads. Ooh, and one, yeah. one thing that I wanted to note, and I don't know if you want to wait until the Southern Charm section, but the differences of like how Catherine's being received and the differences uh, about how Brandy's being received for, you know, they both did somewhat of a similar crime, but the cast reactions are different. And also the way that they're being portrayed um, and like edited is different. So, you know, earlier when you mentioned like, who do you think Bravo likes? I mean, it looks like they like Brandy yeah. um, to me because, you know, I think, I think there's three types of actions that could happen in this situation. The first one being you just get fired like Stassi and Kristen, Kristen, and you know, like you're gone. And then there's, you can stay, but we're gonna, like, if you're, if you don't feel bad, if we don't feel you feeling bad, we're going to do you dirty. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, that's what they're doing to Catherine. And I, I mean, I think it's deserved. She doesn't seem remorseful at all. Mm-hmm. And then the third, the third thing, which I wish would happen more is keep them and like rehabilitate them, like reeducate and put that process on TV. So we're seeing it because if this is a reality show, isn't like, to me, that's more real. And like having to see Brandy actually have the conversation with Tiffany and like reckon with face to face with a person that she hurt. And we're all watching that. Like, doesn't that serve us more as viewers than just throwing these people away? Mm -hmm. I know. I just feel like the onus shouldn't be on Tiffany to like explain racism to Brandy like it's just but at the same time I feel like unfortunately that's where we are as society I'm Jewish and like as a Jew I often have to explain anti-semitism to people and different words and phrases that are that people mean to be anti-semitic but your average person may not understand like globalist or you know New York values or just how QAnon in general has like is based off a horrible anti-Semitic blood libel, you yeah. know these types of things. So I get it. I just feel like it's so frustrating <laughs> to, for yeah, people who you know have to constantly explain. I can't imagine having to do that all the time, every day, all day. But yeah, we can get into Southern Charm because uh, there's a lot of similarities, um, at least with the topic that's being covered. So on this week in Southern Charm, Austin and Madison are still broken up. Um, Craig had told um, Austin, you know, you really need to get over her. He can't. So Craig goes to Madison and is like, you need to cut ties with Austin because she can't get over you. Meanwhile, she was supposed to throw this party on an island for his birthday. So she uninvites him, then reinvites him, and then is like, don't come bec- unless you can not be a psycho. So they all yeah. go to this island. And meanwhile, no one has really confronted Catherine yet about I know. her horrible racist monkey emoji. But that wasn't even the worst part. I think she said something about like, just because you're black, like she said something about the person's race in these messages because they were all mm-hmm. published. It was it was really yeah. awful. And so there's just this like, horrible mix of toxicity on this island. <laughs> and well, <laughs> it's just hilarious at this point. Even before they go to the island, um, when Catherine has that 
like meeting with Shep oh, and she yeah. whispers that she has a black boyfriend. She's like, like she black. can't say the word black yet. And she yeah. did it twice. And it's like, what are you, you can say that you can say what, like that to me, like draws more attention to it. And it's like, so you're actually, you're not comfortable with it. And then like, the woman who owns Gwen's, the other Madison, mm-hmm. um, she was saying, I think that she found a black boyfriend Yes. When this happened so that she could claim she wasn't racist. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Leva's like, sleeping with a black man doesn't make you less racist. Like, <laughs> it's just like Leva's just keeping it real. And then they brought that new woman, Vanita, who's been on a couple episodes this season. It sounds like she's friendly with um, mainly with Madison LaCroix and then some of the others, too. She's gorgeous, but it must be so uncomfortable as the only black woman and the only black person like on this island in this group of friends that are sort of trying to avoid talking about like racism against black people. I just the Mm -hmm. whole thing was crazy. I cannot stand Catherine Dennis. Like, (laughs) I just always have felt something has been off with her. I do feel she was a victim of everything that happened with Thomas Ravenel, right? He, she was much younger than him. He manipulated her. I believe he gave her a lot of drugs. And then I believe he turned against her and he got all of his lawyers against her. It was awful, right? But that doesn't mean that just because she was a victim in one situation, she's a victim in all situations. And she right. views herself always as a victim. And it Absolutely. is so infuriating when she said that when Gwen's released the statement where they separated themselves from Catherine, that mm-hmm. she felt that that was a form of bullying. Are you kidding me? Like, she has no idea. She knows people were mad at her and she viewed it as like, oh, they're canceling me. They're bullying me. I didn't yeah. mean to be wrong. And I don't know. The way that I have been like processing lots of like racial issues the last year is um, I think it helps to label like words and behaviors and actions racist, but not people. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to be an effective way of trying to move people in a better direction. Like, people get so defensive, and it's wrong that they do this, right? But, like, mm-hmm. if I was called racist, I probably would get defensive, too. I'm like, well, I don't I don't believe those things, you know? Yeah. Even though well, you we know, all it, are, to some extent, socialized. I think you know? um, I think in the beginning of the – not that um, Black Lives Matter is new this year because, you know, it's, it's, it's not. Like but, yeah. but, like, in the kind of collective consciousness this year – and the I, I think that there were a lot of people who were all lives matter people who mm-hmm. just didn't understand and then were told why that was wrong. And then we're like, oh, OK, yes, black lives matter. So like the all lives matter. That was a racist thing you said, but you didn't know. And now we've explained it to you and you're confirming that actually you don't believe that. I know. I get it, too. And we're we're both talking as, like, white women. But it's just, I think, difficult when you call someone, when people are being called racist, and then Mm -hmm. they, like, retreat. And 
yep. they're not going to like move forward. And I think the goal, and it, it shouldn't be on black people or people of color to have to like guide them through this. Like, I don't think it should be on Leva. It should be on Danny. Right. Right. Danny should be the one guiding her friend through explaining things to her friend, telling her, you know, what's okay, what's not okay. I think what happened with Brandy is she just like internalized like, oh, if I'm racist, I'm a bad person. And if they think I'm a bad person, then maybe I am a bad person. And maybe my life is not worth living. And like, Mm -hmm. that is a whole other, you know, mental health situation. And I think it is somewhat separate from like white fragility, like becoming suicidal is very serious. So um, anyways, it's just also very interesting that I found that the women on Southern Charm wanted to hold Catherine accountable, wanted to have conversations with her on camera about race. And then the men were coddling her, all of them. Yes, uh, that was that's um, something that I noticed, too. And um, I actually feel like not only were they doing that, but they sort of raised the stakes like particularly when, uh, what was it, when Pringle, Austin? Oh, Pringle. um, well it, it's, it started, you know, when Austin was like, cat feels attacked by every woman on the boat. And first of all, that's hyperbole. Cause like Taylor didn't say anything. And then second of all, that's only seven people that would be going against her. Meanwhile, people of color have the whole world going against them. <laughs> no. So there's that. But then Pringle calls Leva aggressive in her, you know, conversation. And that is a, a term that, you know, women of color are called all the time. Right. Um, that is racist. Um, and after he does that, Vanita jumps in and says, that's not what we're doing. No, that's not what we're doing. And to me, that called back to uh, Potomac with the whole respectability politics mm-hmm. issue, yeah. where Vanita is kind of trying to remind Leva, like, no, we ha- we're held to a different standard. Like, you can't yell because we don't want to be called aggressive. We're trying to, you know, get get rid of that. And it's like white man Pringle is just like, you're aggressive. Like, and you said it, you, like, you said it three times. You said go fuck yourself three times, and it's like. Okay, can we look at what Catherine did and how that yeah, was really they, offensive? They were so upset about swear words that are like equal opportunity offense words. Like it was you know, just like they're not something else. They're and not there was also a lot of misogyny going on. So, oh, so much. Like, especially yes. with Craig when he was arguing earlier with Danny. And mm-hmm. he was, you know, yelling at Danny and Danny was like responding to his, you know, outburst kind of. And he was like, geez, all I did was say, like, go talk to her. It's like not that big a deal. You don't need to freak out. Like, you know, and then he was like, I guess women and men handle things differently. We're rational. Like calling women, basically assuming they're hysterical yes. is one of the most annoying things men can do. It is so yes. frustrating. They were having a conversation. You didn't need to move the storyline along. You're not as clever as Cameron was, and you're not able to self-produce. So stop trying. Yeah, there, there was, there was so much unnecessary like intervention in this. <laughs> like, <I know. laughs> like I, I don't know how else to say it, but it's These like, guys, like why, why are you guys all like getting in this fight? It has nothing to do with you. Also, um, like another parallel that I noticed was. When Levis sat down on the boat to talk to Catherine, the first thing she said 
is some iteration of I'm not coming for you. I'm just, I just want to say this. And Tiffany also um, at the end of Dallas, when she goes to talk to Brandy also is like, I'm not attacking you. I just want you to know my story. And so both of these women of color had to come like on tiptoes to, you know, these white women to be like, you know, you did the wrong thing, but I still have to tiptoe around this. Right. Uh, It must be so frustrating for them. But I so appreciate Lava and I so appreciate Dr. Moon. Like these women are fantastic. They're gorgeous. They're interesting. And I don't know. I want to see more diversity on Bravo. I think it's leading to more interesting conversations. And I don't know. I think, you know, we've got Salt Lake City, which is one of the more diverse casts. And I think it's been proven quite an interesting cast to watch. For many reasons. (laughs) Should we get into Salt Lake City? Sure. Oh, man. There is, they are just so, these women are something else. Yes. Who, who's your favorite so far? I mean, Heather. I just love Heather. I also love Whitney, but having a little bit of difficulty um, with her based on her friend Sarah in this episode. Um, She's like, oh, this is my best friend. We've gone through everything together. We were Mormon together and then not Mormon together. And she's been married three times and I've been married two times. And I'm like, awesome, awesome. Well, Sarah is a QAnon supporter who was supposed to be on the show and was cut out of the show because of her extreme beliefs. And she got on a plane and came to Washington, D.C. this week. Oh, she did? Yeah. And there's pictures of her in D.C., and on a plane, yeah. So, ooh, yeah, yeah. I I did not know that about her. Um, I know in one of the earlier episodes, I think it was that um, birthday party that was supposed oh, yeah. to be Meredith's birthday party, but wasn't, and she showed up and was kind of like a, a hot mess. She was. It was funny, right? Yeah, good TV. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't know then <laughs> what you just said. I so I, I laughed. Thought that I knew that because it was kind of rumbling around on Reddit. And I'd heard okay. it. Um, so before Salt Lake aired, before we knew it was a more diverse cast, I had heard that there were some members of Salt Lake who or w- at least one person that was a devout QAnon follower. And I was like, oh, no, God damn it. Why are they giving us like all these white women doing obnoxious things? And then they came out with the trailer. And I was like, OK, it's different than what I thought. And turns out the woman who is in question had been taken out of most of the episodes. <sighs> Anyways, so uh, well, uh, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, you, do you um, this? This now has been like well reported in, in the the media. But um, are are you aware of the fact that Salt Lake City was originally produced by one production company, and then Bravo took it away from them and gave it to uh, the same company that does New York. Got it. So I heard that. So I think that's why there's all of this footage that they used from months earlier. And then it started filming, but they had clearly already been filming. Okay. Yep. That makes some sense. Do you know why that production company was fired? Uh, I think that it was not good. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that that would be a reason. (laughs) I I I assume that they saw that they had like a dynamic cast and it was just not done well. Uh, but I don't know that. I, that's just my guess. Oh, so interesting. 
So this yeah. episode is Jen throws this big surprise party for her husband, <laughs> Coach Shaw, even though he doesn't like surprises. Um, <laughs> so funny. Uh, but she doesn't invite Mary, who is hurt and doesn't seem to get why Jen hates her. And honestly, I believe Mary like is so damaged <laughs> that she doesn't know how to form bonds like it's some sort of a, I don't know much about attachment theory but like there's something going on there with her like she has trouble forming bonds with people yeah i th- i think mary is really interesting because like on the one hand she's possibly a cult leader and at the very least a pastor but mm-hmm. you know poss- possibly Allegedly. a cult leader <laughs> right that's why I said possibly. And then on the <laughs> other hand, she's like, to me, a victim of yes. this like disgusting kind of like blackmail to marry the husband. And like, if the grandma wanted, you know, like willed this to her, we don't know what else could have happened even before that. Because like, do we think this is the grandma's first weird decision? Probably not. So, I mean, it, it's like, Yes, you have to be accountable, but also like what was your damage when you were young that happened to you? Mm-hmm. Like and and to feel like it was okay to marry your step grandfather. No, she was totally groomed. But there's also some rumblings of people, I guess, who used to go to her church that are like the grandma didn't put it in the will. And then there were some like confusion about the circumstances under which the grandmother died. And I guess there was an autopsy done like a private autopsy, which didn't, I don't know if it concluded anything. So Mm. part of me is like, (laughs) I mean, this is all allegedly, right? But like, what if Mary and her step-grandfather were having an affair and (laughs) he kills the grandma? This isn't funny. This is crazy. I just, there's so much going on there. And her story may be too dark even for Bravo. And I wonder... If I don't think they knew. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, yeah. I think they knew about the grandfather. I don't. But think I don't they knew know how. that. Yeah, like the depths of it. Yeah, it's and I and I. Ugh. I don't think um, we can circle back to this, but I also don't think that they knew about Elizabeth on OC. Like oh, having that a, for sure. a similar yeah backstory, you know, and and that popping up. So yeah, it's so interesting. Um, but she just seems kind of unaware of her own behavior and why people react a certain way to her Um, in a way like Ramona has that right like Ramona yes people get angry at Ramona she knows they're angry at her she's not quite sure what she did to make them angry but she knows socially (laughs) she should apologize right yes the apologizer but with Mary at least Ramona has some sort of bonds with others like Mary doesn't seem to have friends and she doesn't seem to have like like close friends that we've seen. Well, what about her her housekeeper? Right. She referred she referred to as like her, her grandmother's brother's daughter, and I was like, your cousin? That like your so it's your cousin. Like you're acting like this is like or a your niece, depending relative. On. Yeah, like you know, like whatever. Um, but like she's like she's like I don't know anything about her. She's been my housekeeper for twenty years, but I don't know anything about her. And it's like. Don't brag about that. That's rude. That she doesn't get that that's wrong. Like, she just has no concept. Something's off with her, and I do feel bad. But she did say a lot of very racially, um, I don't know, motivated comments to Jen 
that I could see why Jen would be really offended. And it doesn't matter that Mary is black herself if she's saying right. I mean, things. the 7-Eleven or like convenience store comments are so offensive. Crazy. Oh, man. So then Whitney feels bad because Whitney, you know, is um, a friend of Mary's and is like, I'm not being a good enough friend to Mary. I should tell Jen that it's like not okay for her to treat Mary this way. But it mm-hmm. all gets messed up because Mary tells... Um, Whitney, hey, Meredith and Lisa are afraid of Jen. And all of you guys are afraid of Jen. And you're not calling out her poor treatment of me because you're afraid of her. So Whitney plans this, you know, intervention at this golf party, the surprise party that Jen is throwing for her husband. And it is just madness. Whitney is drunk. She tries to confront Jen. And Jen, of course, goes from zero to 60. And I understand if people said they would be afraid of her. I'm afraid of her. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then like her throwing the glass. Yes. Like, oh, my God. I don't know why. I just like always blow that off. I was like, it wasn't at someone. It's just a housewife's trope. <laughs> but but also after after she threw the glass, her older son walked by the camera and was like, like shrieking at it like, whoa. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that was like a throwaway. Um, but I was like, was that her son reacting to that? That's interesting. Um, what did you think about um, Heather just like jumping in and dropping the bomb uh, uh, in, in the conversation before Whitney could like get it out? Necessary. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Whitney was just not I mean, making sense. She was not speaking clearly. She was extremely drunk and she wasn't getting to the point. And so... I probably would have, if I were not on TV, right, and I was Heather, I would be like, Whitney, we should actually reconsider doing this another time. But because they're making a show, and they all know they're making a show, it's like, eh, I guess we can try. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's weird, because like, on, on the one hand, they're making a show, but on the other hand, it is Sharif's birthday, and like... Mary flew in his like relatives and stuff. And so like, it's kind of special and you just like, like normally at these things, it's like two people who aren't hosting the party get into it, but like to attack the host, it's like, you, you just like messed up her whole, I don't know. And like, I know it's necessary for the show. It was very good to watch for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I just am like, you know, a little bit torn. Um, But another, another thing that, I was thinking about like when this happened, they like cut to Whitney in her confessional and she is like talking about how Heather interrupted her. And I was thinking like, does she remember that? Or like, did Heather have to tell her that's how it happened? Or did like the producers like play back the footage from the night? Because she seemed so drunk to me that I would find it (laughs) like hard to remember exactly what happened and then be able to speak on it. No, I have friends who remember things but their motor skills get much more impaired than mine do Ah. if i'm drinking like their Mm -hmm. speech patterns are different their walking is different they're just like off and that's what i feel like whitney was like she just yeah her speech pattern she was mumbling and not getting to the point now with jen i know she was frustrated and angry but It is alarming that she is so reactive. I used to think that she was reactive because there were cameras and she wanted to give us what she thought a housewife should be giving us. 
but I'm Mm -hmm. starting to think maybe she does have an anger problem, right? Um, Throwing stuff, screaming, having to be restrained by your son and taken home because you couldn't calm down is an alarming thing. And I said this on a, a different podcast, but I feel like... I don't know if it has something to do with the death of her father, but I feel like she wants to be mothered a bit. And so Mm -hmm. she gets into these situations where she needs her husband to kind of coddle her, to give her a pep talk, to make it all better. And Well, Meredith with the sleepover. Right. Exactly. Like she is looking for nurturing, like from Mm -hmm. people where it may not always be appropriate for them to provide that. But she doesn't want to give up being the child that's taken care of. So she acts out and then expects to have a sort of a parental type figure, whether it be her husband or friends, coddle her and make it better. Well, she also has that enormous squad that take care of her. Like, you know, they are fetching things for her and doing her makeup and getting her dressed and picking out her clothes and like, you know, all all these things. Are they real? Um, or is it just for the show? Are, Oh, I think it's just for the show. I think I think they're like people that she just hired for the show. So what does she do when she's not filming? Like that house isn't her house. Right. And nothing about her feels real to me. And that's what's difficult for me. I and would Jen. agree with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I enjoy learning about her. I wish I saw the real her, you know, instead of what she wants us to see. Yeah. I, I'm not ready to like jump out on her because – um that uh, Biden Harris, um, oh my god, sign like, <laughs> dress that she made, you know, before the show started, and like people were like, yes, and it was like, you know, driving more attention, and it's like, you know what, like right now, like however we get eyes to like the right side of history, I am on board with, and I appreciated that, especially like not having aired yet and not knowing what the response was going to be to her, and knowing that, that her castmates uh, likely may have different views. Uh, yeah, some you of know, them, yeah. Or most yeah. people in Utah in general. Yep. No, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on her. I just um, mm-hmm. want her to correct for a second season yes. where she's a bit more vulnerable and real mm-hmm. and authentic rather than playing a trope of what a housewife is. Uh, yeah. I would, I would say agree. I want Meredith to be a bit more authentic too. I feel like she's trying to package her relationship issues in a certain way and be like, okay, and now we're better without like really showing us as much. I don't know. It's confusing to me to just throw in there that they've been separated multiple times throughout their marriage and even dated other people. If that was the case, why would you be? I mean, I get it's upset when you separate from your husband, but if you've routinely separated from your husband, it's not like this is the first time in 25 years you've ever been separated. Yeah, I get a different feeling from from Meredith. I I I think that she's actually being like totally authentic. I think that really? she yeah, I think that's yeah. her personality. I think she's just like really low key and is just like, yeah, okay, I'm going <laughs> to disengage from this. Yeah. And like the amount of times that she's like I'm going to I'm not engaging. I'm disengaging. And it's like, do you want to be back for a second season? Because like you, ha- you have to engage. Like I, I like you. I want you back. Can you like engage a little bit more? But I feel like she just has a lot of 
control over herself and of her feelings. And I don't know, it just, it doesn't read inauthentic to me. It just feels slightly boring. I think she's authentic in herself. I just feel like how she's trying to show us this relationship is a bit produced. Mm -hmm. Only that part, not like how she acts in social situations or anything like that. Um, I felt like she was most authentic when she was in the car getting Seth from the airport and they got into an argument where he was like, are you going to move with me to Canton? And she was just like, had it up to here with moving anywhere. And that was a very Mm -hmm. real moment in their relationship. The other parts didn't feel as, as authentic to me. And so maybe she doesn't want to share exactly what made her come to the conclusion that she wanted to get back in the marriage but well, what do you what did you think of the scene with Brooks um, when they were ordering dinner and like Brooks was like grossed out that they might have sex? <laughs> I think Brooks is like he is the least authentic. I think it is who he yes. is, right? But he is the one that's most aware of the cameras that moved home to be on the Real Housewives of you know, yes. Salt Lake City because his mother was a housewife. He was like, I'm taking a semester off. So, because he's smart and he's going to market himself, hey, you know? Don't hate the player. Don't hate the player. So, um, <laughs> whatever. He's just playing a bit, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I and I think that he did with um, that Jen like leg in the air situation. But I I thought that Meredith and Seth were really cute. Oh, I think they're cute. I I don't know. I just, I felt like they moved the story along so quickly that I was like, wait, you guys mm-hmm. were just separated and now you're together. Like what happened other than him being absent from the fashion show to like right. reconcile? Like I wanted to see like the reconciliation. Is he going to now not be in Ohio? Is he going to give up some of his work to spend time with her? Is she going to go to Ohio sometimes? Like how did they Mm -hmm. arrive at the, because logistically it seemed difficult when one partner doesn't want to live in the same city. Yeah. I I mean, there's all, there's all sorts of relationships. And one, one thing that I always think about is like military families Mm -hmm. and how like somebody will go like overseas for six months or a year or whatever. And like, nobody is ever like, are you going to dump him? Like he's in Iraq for six months. Are you going to dump him? Um, Because it's just like understood that they can make it. And obviously it's not the same thing, but I think that as you know, social like norms are evolving. I feel like uh, really like, romantic relationships are also and there's a little bit more leeway for these like strange not strange but like um like different different um relationships that we're not used to and how they look and how how people can maintain them and especially if you have money and you can just fly somewhere whenever you want yeah but for so with the military though you don't really have a choice right you're in the military you've sign the contract they've paid for your college you go where Mm -hmm. they tell you to go and with this and with with the money question it's like how much more money does seth need to earn that he's going to be away from his family i think that's the real question that's what i felt like that's what i would ask if i was how much is enough how much is enough for Mm -hmm. you are you going to keep chasing every deal um and when are you going to actually spend time with me? Is it worth it to be away from me on my birthday and to miss special right. moments in our family? So 
I also think that whenever I see a relationship, at least on these shows, where they say, oh, we just, you know, we're modern. We have this like new way of doing a relationship. (laughs) It always ends in divorce and something's always going on. If you look at Gina and Matt, where he had this apartment in LA, um, Bronwyn and Sean, stuff's going on there. Uh When you look at Erica Jane and Tom Girardi, (laughs) I mean. Camille and Kelsey. Yep. Something's always up. Right. If Mm -hmm. on Housewives, I don't know about other relationships, but when I see it on my TV screen, I know it's like red flag, red alert, like they're headed for divorce. (laughs) Yeah. So um, any other thoughts on what about Heather's ex-husband coming over for the Valentine's Day? I I have one more thought about um, Whitney. Um, Yeah. So for the the first like however many episodes were up to, I think maybe like this week was maybe like the ninth, like the first eight episodes, I was like, oh, this is like a slightly more interesting Stephanie Holman. She's so sweet. I love her. And then at this episode, I was like, oh, she's actually like a Carrie Duber who's like dropping, like every time somebody tells her something, she's like, ah, I have a secret. What am I going to do with it? I have to tell someone. So that way, (laughs) if somebody knows that I know, they can't be like, why didn't you tell me? And like, it's like the Carrie Duber, which I loved. And I I want that woman back on that show. I love Carrie Duber. And like, every time she pops up as like a friend up, I'm like, yes, Carrie, like my favorite Carrie. But like this episode, like, to me, I was like, ooh, she's doing like a carry tonight. Nice. Totally. Oh my God. Totally. Um, oh my God. Also, with Meredith, I just made a note that she reminds me a bit of a lawyer because when she's being accused of having said that she was afraid of Jen to Mary, she said, I have never had a conversation of significance. <laughs> about Jen with Mary. And that's just how she talks. But I was like, that is such a lawyer, like lawyer speak. Like, is she a lawyer? Has she got a law school? Like, what's her background? (laughs) That's how, like, I have never had a conversation of significance. Like, amazing. I loved it. An iconic line. (laughs) And then I'm disengaging, which as long as she doesn't make it like a Dorinda where Dorinda goes, you know, not well, bitch, like nonstop. Like, or mm-hmm. Giovanni, like, chill out. Yeah. It's okay. Like, I love your little bit. You don't have to, like, now do all merch. Yeah. Well, I, I also don't, I don't necessarily know if she's aware that she says it. She, on social media, people have been pointing it out, and she started laughing okay. about it. So okay. she's clearly aware now that it's something that Yeah, she by says. now she, yeah. Yeah. I love it, yeah. personally. Me We've too. never seen a housewife do it. No, no. <laughs> and and I, I'm, I'm hopeful that even with the disengaging, she'll be back. Oh, I think they'll all be back. I think they might add people. I don't know if Mary will, because if no one yeah. really wants to film with her, then but she is, what's she going to do? It also appears she's not aware of, like, what's in her contract and what she's supposed to be doing. Because on Watch What Happens Live <laughs> this week... Andy was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you have to see all of the episodes before we have a reunion. And she was like, no one sent them to me. <laughs> <laughs> one of your eight houses doesn't have cable? Because <laughs> I do get, I, they get screeners, you know, because the ones yeah. that haven't aired yet. But she's like, I yep. haven't gotten them. And then Andy's like, well, we'll, we'll talk offline about this. Because it was like a few days before they filmed. 
the reunion. He's like, you got to be able to watch this. It reminds me of, you know, Jax, like how Jax never watched Vanderpump Rules. So during the reunion, yeah, or, people or said go, he didn't. I mean, that guy is so vain. How is it possible he didn't watch it, especially when he called it his show? Well, I bet he only watched episodes with him in it or like scenes with him. And I bet he fast forwarded everyone else's scenes. So then he wouldn't oh, yeah, really maybe. know yeah. like everything that went on. Who knows? Mm. But any thoughts on Heather's ex-husband and their Valentine's Day get together with the family? My only thought is good riddance to that guy. I know. She is so much better off without him. I can't wait for her to find love. I know it will happen. I, know. I mean, he, I feel like he was squashing her like light for 20 years. Yeah, definitely. Or was it 11? They were together. I don't know. I was I like, how are they together that 20. long and – 11 years and you knew within a few months of getting married you weren't compatible yeah um her kid her kids seem like really well adjusted though i like those kids a lot i know know. and like they're like the way that they work as a unit like heather and the daughters is like i really like it i do too um do you watch oc oh i do okay because i I feel um, like there is a little bit of overlap, um, or at least a significant difference between Heather, who has three daughters, and Shannon, who also has three daughters, um, including yes. an older one that's growing up and moving out of the house. And she's handling it quite differently than how Heather engages with her children. Yeah. Oh, Shannon Bedore, Shannon Bedore. I mean, it is shocking to see someone, and I know I've always heard of these sort of helicopter parents. I, I didn't have them, but um, mm-hmm. the like, I can never, I could never imagine my mother picking out things for my dorm without talking to me, and also just doing it. Like she would be like, "Well, what do you think? Okay, you get it, you know." Uh, oh, it was wild. Yes, how <laughs> I I. <laughs> I do know moms like that. And I, I actually, (laughs) I actually related to that and was like, Oh, I, I, I feel like Shannon, other than buying the two headboards, I feel like this is like an appropriate reaction. (laughs) (laughs) So no, I know a lot of, I know people who have mothers like that. that The only thing that bothered me was the headboards. And I, I also thought, um, oh my goodness, like a child from the OC is going to a real college because so many of these kids on the OC have been terrible and like, yeah. you know, have been arrested for like serious crimes. And so, you know, like for as much as like we love, you know, we as like a Bravo community love to make fun of Shannon, like she did raise what seems to be like a really good daughter. Oh, no, totally. I just felt that. The daughter is trying to establish boundaries without pissing off her mom. And Shannon is like, it's almost as if no one's ever tried to establish a boundary. Yeah. Well, I mean, she might have some sort of like, you know, separation anxiety because of her divorce or, you know, like David leaving her that, you know, something like that. I mean, my mom cried all the time when I was like getting ready to leave, you know, to go to college. But she kept on being like, I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited for you. It's just a lot. It's a lot, (laughs) you know. And then I felt bad when my mom was crying and I comforted her and was like, our relationship is going to be different, but it's not going to change. And then to Mm -hmm. see, you know, Sophie just be like so annoyed with her mom crying. I feel like her mom has just been so overwhelming for so long. Absolutely. Um, what oh, What did you think about when Sophie was like, 
I didn't like growing up here. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It I think that maybe the whole OC environment is not something that she really likes. Maybe she doesn't align with it mm-hmm. politically or maybe she's interested in just, I don't know, just something different that's not yeah. the way that her mom and dad behaved. Mm-hmm. And the kind of social circle and how it was always yeah. about how much money you have and what kind of home you have and all of that, I think, was probably really overwhelming for those kids. I think at Baylor, um, I might be wrong, but I think that it might be a dry school where you can't drink. Oh, which really? Would be interesting. Yeah, because um, it, it's it's a religious um, college, and I think I I I think you might not be able to drink there, um, which, if true, is interesting because she clearly grew up in a house where it's been flowing. Well, let's talk about that. So now everyone's gossiping about Shannon's relationship with this guy, John, and how they just drink too much. And then they get into Mm -hmm. trouble. And one of them ends up screaming or has to be, you know, I've never we've never seen John drunk. Right, right. And I feel like Shannon is probably always making sure that when the cameras are there, they are not behaving a certain way. But then when the cameras are away, is probably when these things keep happening. Because if everyone's hearing about it, it has to be there. Yeah. It, it's interesting because I feel like what we see is not good either. <laughs> really? Um, not necessarily not necessarily between them, but like when they went to Bronwyn's like vow renewal and they had <gasps> yes. to like sneak a drink, like as if they were teenagers, like pre-gaming yeah. before prom. And it was like, you're like a full-grown adult and it's light out. What are you doing? And she didn't eat anything and she was so it, drunk and so inappropriate. And and it was like more, like, I don't care. Like, go ahead, like have a drink before. But the way they were doing it was like so just like they were getting away with something or like secretive or like whatever. It just, it kind of, it, I don't know, rubbed me the wrong way. I feel like it. It feels like a lot of their relationship revolves around codependency and alcohol. Yeah. Well, when she arrived and and he was like, "What do you want to drink?" and she and she was like, "It's it's Saturday day. I don't want anything." And he's like, "I'll give you a white claw." Yeah. Oh my god, that whole thing is interesting. But you know, I think Gina is. <laughs> it's so interesting. This season, she's the only one that makes sense to me. Yes. And I've never thought Gina would be a voice of reason in any way, shape, or form. Like, she makes so much sense. She's calling everyone on their shit, including Bronwyn, mm-hmm. who I appreciate and I agree with her beliefs. Um, you know, I appreciate with Black Lives Matter and all of that. But um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and mention that they think she's a dry drunk. And I've mentioned it on a few episodes. And I didn't really understand what that was until recently. But it's someone, I don't know what that is. it's someone who's sober, but who has all of the same behaviors that they had when they were abusing alcohol. So they still lie. They still blame other people for mistakes that they make. Um, they still always play victim you know, things like that. All of the stuff that she's been doing, projecting, you know, talking about other people's relationships when she's having her own problems, all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, she can't, it's just frustrating to me as a viewer, 
that she can't sit still in general. Like she's always moving, moving, yeah. moving, moving, moving. And then she's like, I'm sober now. I'm sober now. I'm sober now. Look how great it is. Oh my God. I have all these new friends. I have this wife and she just moved in. And then, you know, I've got these seven <laughs> kids and blah, blah. And I'm like, calm down, please. And please stop yeah. trying to make excuses for everything that happens. I feel like I may be a bit of a Bronwyn apologist. I think I was until <laughs> until the last few episodes. When she hit Sean, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. this is not, this is really not okay. Yes, that absolutely, like, no tolerance, that's not okay. Especially, like, you know, a, a man's not allowed to do that. That wouldn't be okay. So it's not okay for a woman. It's not okay for anybody. What I do feel like, it like... It's a pandemic. She has seven kids. She just came to the realization that she's an alcoholic and stopped drinking. And now that she's not drunk, she realizes that she's gay. So all of those things, (laughs) just one of those things, just one of those things could be overwhelming for someone. And so I, because maybe it also is because like, I know that her heart seems to be in the right place because yeah. like she supports black lives matter and her son, you know, wearing drag and all that stuff that I feel like I want to extend a little bit more like grace to her to yeah. like figure this out. Like I want to make sure she's still being a mom and like taking care of those kids. But you know, it, it's like they, they say that um, an alcoholic stops maturing at the age they started drinking. And so like, that being, if, you know, that's really a true thing, then it makes sense kind of how she's behaving yes. because, uh, you know, she started drinking when she's a teenager. She's kind of acting like a teenager and, you know, hopefully she'll settle down soon. But as long as she's not endangering the kids, like I kind of just want to give her a minute to like figure herself out without being so critical of her because right. I, I like, and yes, it may be performative because she's on a TV show, but you know, like she is like allowing people to see this. And I've noticed like on her social media, people reach out to her and she supports them in their like sober journey. And so I, I think that her heart's in the right place. So I'm less inclined to kind of like go after her. However, hitting Sean, not okay. Yeah, no, I, I think I was there. I think I've just sort of flipped in a way where I'm like, I want you to do this work off camera and come back to us when you're in Mm -hmm. a place that is healthier for you and your family. This feels unhealthy, and you're mm-hmm. trying to portray it as healthy. Like Dorinda? Um, yeah, yeah, I want Dorinda to come back. I want her to yeah. do some work on herself. And with Bronwyn, like that cup that she bought for herself that said, I'm not trying to brag, but I don't even need alcohol to make really bad decisions. I mean, that for me was like, oh my God, you... And running around with these um, girlfriends, you know, in Mm -hmm. in the middle of a pandemic when you have seven children and you don't appear, maybe they're not wanting to film that many scenes together with her kids or what, but you don't appear to share the parenting duties the same way as Sean does. It just feels like maybe you need to do a bit more therapy and intense work on yourself. And she never had the opportunity to do inpatient treatment but I feel like that's right. still what she needs. Hmm. Like, I I mean, I don't know what this was filmed over the summer and time has passed, 
But if you follow her social media, it appears very similar to what she was like over the summer. The, yeah. I don't know. I feel like she needs to – she's always running, running, moving, moving. If she could just, like, stop and actually be forced to examine herself mm-hmm. and her life and her background and everything that led her to where she is. And I know that maybe it's extra hard to do that as a mom, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I feel like she needs from what I see and I'm not a professional. It just feels like she needs a little bit of space. So <sighs> anyway, um, it's just weird that uh, Gina's the only one who makes sense to me. I also think on Bronwyn that she seems to be surrounding herself with yes people and not many uh-huh. people who question anything. And she's always trying yeah. to validate things. And so she's like, so then I went and did this. And they're like, of course mm-hmm. you did. Yeah, girl. Yeah. You know, and it's like. You don't, you don't like red velvet cake. <laughs> I just think she's really mean to Sean also. Yeah. And I think yeah. she thinks she's mean to Sean watching it back. I'm really interested mm-hmm. to see her at the reunion explain some of this stuff and hopefully yes. talk about the work not just that she's doing in couples therapy with Sean to try and figure everything out, but the work on herself. Because mm-hmm. I feel like she's kind of always trying to explain away things like, oh, my mom did this and this is the way I am. Or she's a toxic parent. Well, she's like, and She's like in danger of turning into her mom. I see some similarities. Um, and that worries me. Yeah. And then yeah, one I- of her kids like – kind of acts out on social media, like is like F you mom yep. and stuff. I've seen like, that. <laughs> I don't know. I I would be angry with my mother too. Mm-hmm. Probably if they were like running around and bringing another woman into the home and not being clear about the marriage. And I don't know. If I mean, if I was at, if I was a child at home during the pandemic and my mom left I would. <laughs> and it wasn't to go to the grocery store, I'd be mad. I know. I'd be like, you can go to McDonald's to get us a Happy Meal or you can go to the grocery store. That's it. <laughs> like, I know. I like, know. You can't see friends. If I can't see friends, you can't see friends. Right. <laughs> right. No, totally. Um, um, I I think um, with Gina, um, I think maybe not being a product of the OC, not having grown up there and like still being relatively new, um, I, th- I feel like that helps. Um her be a little bit more relatable to um, us. I'm also so proud of her for not giving up or with the domestic violence charges. Mm -hmm. Most people, and I don't judge them for it. Most people who have a former spouse or former boyfriend that has a domestic violence charge against them want the charges dropped. Um, It just makes it easier to move forward instead of look back for Mm -hmm. sometimes for the victim and certainly for the perpetrator. But for her to be like, he's never been held accountable and I don't want him to erase this truth that happened to me is such Mm -hmm. a powerful thing. And then to see her with Travis, who appears to me as the best of the partners on the OC right now, just like not trying to really be on the show is a sounding board, is telling her, you know, the longer that he disputes this, the longer it's going to go on in the court and you need to prepare yourself for that. Like, he's not coddling her. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think I think she's been an incredible role model for women who do want to, and, and men and anyone who does want to 
press forward with criminal charges for yeah. domestic battery. Yeah, it's um, I know like so many people um, are boycotting the OC this season, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of wish that wasn't happening because um, everybody has like a distinct, really serious storyline, except for Kelly. Like Kelly actually doesn't really have a storyline this season. Like yeah, they nothing's going on. Like to me, to me, they've like taken her out basically as much as they can. Um, but like Bronwyn has like all the stuff that we just mentioned going on. Emily, <laughs> Emily had COVID. Like Gina had this, you know, thing with Matt. Um, Shannon also had COVID and also is like, you know, dealing with, you know, potential alcoholism. And then like Elizabeth is in a cult and going through a divorce. <laughs> no. And like, like oh my God. everybody has like such, like such a kind of dramatic story that um, normally I, I, on the OC, I really only used to like the group scenes and I didn't like the individual scenes, but this season... Um, and I'm I'm sure it's like a uh, due to everybody having to be quarantined a little bit. We're seeing a little bit more of you know their lives, and I guess it just so happens that it's they're they're interesting at the right time for me, which is kind of a gross thing to say. No, um, I, I but agree. As, as a viewer, I feel it. I feel it's um, actually really compelling. When the OC started, I was like, oh, maybe I won't talk about it on the podcast unless a viewer. Um, watches it that or someone that I'm having on the podcast watches it also. Um, And then I told myself if I didn't like it, I would stop. Right. But I just Mm kind of want to see what it's about. And it's usually the last one I watch of the week. But lately, I've been really interested in it, specifically Mm -hmm. like the Lake Arrowhead stuff and the conversations about Elizabeth and Gina and all of it. And then seeing actually Emily and her family battle COVID was uh-huh. very intense. So I don't know. I feel yeah. like they've done as good of a job as possible. I'm sad that Kelly brought all of that negative attention there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also wish they had, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how the reunion goes. I feel like they may need to clean house a little bit. It's yeah. something's yeah. off with the cast group scenes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you want to lastly talk about Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I love Atlanta. Um, So it starts oh. out with Cynthia, her sister, and Kenya doing this yoga um, yoga class, just the three of them. Again, wearing the stupid face shields, or they have their masks on, I think, but then they, like, take them off and then, like, maybe put them back on. And I'm like, this guy is not part of your group. Like, can't you grant him the kindness and to, to keep your mask on? Like he's working here. You know. Yeah. Uh, also it was Atlanta during the summer. Couldn't they go outside in the parking lot of that place right? and, and like done it? <laughs> I know, but it's interesting because I've always really liked Cynthia and thought she was a pretty sort of reasonable person, but she mm-hmm. is so unreasonable about this wedding and everyone's trying to tell her like, okay, if you said 10, tw- 10, 20, and because of COVID, it may not be safe to have that many people. Are you willing to give up your dream wedding for that date? Or do you need to have your dream wedding and then move the date? And Mike seems to really want the date, and he doesn't really care about having a big wedding, but she seems to care more about the big wedding and can't seem to understand how that is hurtful 
to her future husband. <laughs> yeah, her watching for like, you know, four episodes, all the different people trying to explain to her how she's wrong and her not getting it. And then Kenya of all people being the voice that gets through to her to make her understand was really, I mean, so surprising. And also like, Cynthia, this is your second wedding. Mm -hmm. Like, it's you already had your big wedding. Like, it, you know, like, know. it's your, That's it's why your second she wedding. Says she Mike, wants to do Mike's another big one, right? Because she's like, she kind of wants to undo that other big wedding. She even said that was a divorce. Like she signed divorce papers. That's how that was undone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and she, yes, Kenya got through to her in this episode, but not really because she still went right. ahead and had this crazy wedding that could have been a super spreader event. And it was so bad that production actually wouldn't film it. Like they wouldn't put their crew in harm's way. It's interesting that you know that. <laughs> so I'm right. It was like last I'm minute that they pulled out. So she it was supposed to all be for the cameras and they were still filming during October. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just unsafe. And just because, you know, the governor of Georgia decided screw the rules by that point doesn't mean mm -hmm. that it's not an unsafe situation. And they were supposed to be outside for part of it, which would have made it safer, especially for filming. But there was a tropical storm that weekend. And so they were all forced indoors. <laughs> yeah. Uh just um, just a side note, um, Governor Stacey Abrams wouldn't have let that happen. <laughs> but if we had had Governor Stacey Abrams, we may not have all the other things from Georgia that happened this week. It's true. It's um, absolutely true. But man, that woman is special. <laughs> then we see a lot. Uh, we see this whole marriage therapy session between Drew and Ralph. It's really hard to watch marriage counseling between a couple you don't really know. And Watching Meredith and Seth, which is also a new couple, it just doesn't feel this. Like, I feel more invested in them than I do mm -hmm. in Drew and Ralph. And maybe it's because Ralph seems to be um, abusive. A horrible person. <laughs> like, I think he's at least emotionally abusive, right? Like, I mean, he is a horrible person. But, like, screaming <laughs> at her, gaslighting her, leaving for days at a time, and then yelling at her for asking where he went is wild yeah. and i don't know i don't like the like and telling her that yeah. uh that he'll give her the details of a house on a need-to-know basis like he doesn't treat what? her as a partner he never wanted a partner no he wanted no. an obedient wife and i think she knew that going in and thought she could play that role but then also maybe thought that he would maybe be a little different like, she's clearly trying I, to change him. She's like, I'm in counseling, so I can take care of you. It's like, oh, that's not the reason you should be in counseling. <laughs> yeah. Like, go to therapy to work on yourself so you can be a good wife and mom and friend, but not so that you can handle your partner. Yeah. I did think it was interesting. I thought this was the best on the most, like, successful on-camera therapy session that we've ever seen in terms of the, from the therapist. And I, I want to put therapist in quotes because mm -hmm. a lot of times the people that they say are, are therapists are not, they're like a pastor or but, like a religious leader or like a family friend. Yeah. So like, I don't like, I don't know if she's a therapist, but making the connection at least on camera to us of the mom and him treating her like that 
it was really, to me, like the best therapy moment that we've seen on any Housewives, I think. I wish she would have used it, though, to say, like, this is explaining why he's doing that, but you need to learn how to undo it, like, to him. Oh, right? totally. Although, yeah. speaking yeah. about therapists on Bravo shows, um, I had a therapist on the show um, who was explaining kind of, like, how things go on some of these Housewives shows, and mm-hmm. her office mate was Jax's therapist, like an actual <laughs> licensed therapist and production found her and called her. They had a, they were, had an office in West Hollywood and she got a call up one day from production being like, can you take one of her <laughs> talent and give him therapy on camera? And she kind of talked through with them and did a whole contract and all that, but she actually became his therapist. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting information. I yeah, like that. it was so funny. So like hmm. the the woman I had on um, who shared a space with her, like could never really ask anything because of like, oh, of course, you know, yeah. confidentiality and stuff. But she just yep. thought it was so funny. And a certain time she'd be like, <laughs> oh, you know, is it okay if we have like a film crew in on this day at these hours, you know? And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah. And then she's like, I'll watch it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, and then the big thing that's going on is Portia's um, sister, Lauren, invites everyone to celebrate oh. Portia and the work that she's been doing on Black Lives Matter, which I think was un- uncomfortable for Portia to be in the spotlight on this. And they all wore black and everything. She seemed to be uncomfortable in the moment when they had this party, for sure. Um, I think the intention was good. Uh, but so Lauren invites Cynthia. And then Cynthia's, can I bring, like, bring Kenya? And she's like, uh, I guess so. And then two hours later, she tells Cynthia, you know what? No. But Cynthia didn't tell Kenya until production was there filming. And I know this because Lauren came out and was like, I told her two hours later. It's not my fault. Oh. Like, she came out on social media. So then I deducted, based on what we know, and based on Kenya's reaction, looking at her producers and being like, did you guys know this? That, in fact, they did know this, and it was all being caught on camera. (laughs) 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 But I don't know. (laughs) Um, I actually don't know that either. Um, And I thought it was funny how she just was like, hey, you guys know this? Like as if it was like her, you know, like her brother and sister, like sitting next to her or something. It was like so casual. Oh, man. I love when they break the fourth wall on things like that. Yeah. um, I when Candy did her confessionals this week, I felt like like it didn't break the fourth wall. But the whoever she was talking to, I felt like it must have been her producer for like 10 years because the just it was so like informal, like the way that she was talking. And actually, I feel like these were like her best confessionals. Like she did the Kenya Moore hair care. Like she was on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like she was like looser and like super comfortable with whoever it was. And like, that's not a, a, a breaking of the fourth wall. But in a way, to me, it felt like like it sort of felt like it, like an unofficial like breaking of it. I loved it. And and then, yeah. of course, I get why they didn't want Kenya there. Like, if this was really mm-hmm. going to be a special moment, and Kenya thinks that um, that Portia is self-serving and fake and doing all of this work for a photo op and saying, why is it that she always, like, get, manages to get arrested on camera? Does she understand the purpose of getting arrested? 
for civil disobedience. Right. It is to be on camera. It is to raise attention. Yep. Like that is the purpose of nonviolent yep. civil disobedience. Yeah. And if you can have a person who has a following be the person who gets arrested, that's a win for your cause. Like, you know, like it, she like she's doing the right thing. She's using her platform to raise awareness. We um, are all learning about Brianna Taylor watching uh-huh. The Real Housewives of Atlanta, the most viewed Housewives franchise on Bravo, because yes. Portia has made this part of her storyline. So I don't care if she's doing it to be self-serving, which I don't think she is, if Me either. this is the outcome. Right. It's like, in this case, you kind of don't care how the sausage gets made, as long as it's getting made. And it's, it is. And if you want to talk about something self-serving, Kenya got... Pilar, a uh, Rosa Parks doll, like that to me seems more out of character. <laughs> I know. I was like, that, that what she, the hell that are you did doing? That, like that to me was was like more um, surprising than um, Portia, who comes from like a family of you know activists, like you know rising to the occasion. So <laughs> it's also it would be different if the rest of the women felt Portia was being self serving. Like sometimes when everyone thinks something. Mm-hmm. I don't always view it, it. It could be viewed as attacking, right? Like on Beverly Hills. But sometimes I'm yes. like, oh, maybe it's because it's true, right? If they all right. feel one way. So they don't seem to all feel this way at all. No. So, so it's only Kenya who clearly has an issue with other people getting attention and being kind of the main kind of center peach. It's, Kenya's mm-hmm. never going to be able to hold a show on her own. She doesn't have the relationships with these women that are sustained. Like, and she hasn't put in work to try and fix them. Like the work that. Except for Cynthia. She has. Like, I think she, I think she's doing a good job with Cynthia. Um, Like I, I was like sort of slightly endeared to her. Like the first couple of episodes, Um, I felt like she was like getting softer, but um, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, talking about Portia like that, like, the woman is like risking her life. And I think Kenya is great for the show. Like I Yes. I do think she's good for the show, but mm-hmm. I think when she thinks that she deserves to sort of be the center peach and everything revolve around her, it's like how could it happen when you don't have good relationships with the majority of the women? Right. It just won't work. How did you feel as a white woman listening to Candy and Kenya talk about the authenticity of um, Portia um, and uh, and like how you know like within a culture um, they see that differently. I was just frustrated with Kenya bringing it up because uh, I just feel mm-hmm. like there is no validity, like there's no reason to think that it's yeah. inauthentic. Like she has been. Mm-hmm. Like, she was clearly moved by what happened with Breonna Taylor. And a lot of people's, um, not personalities change, but people change after becoming parents or after big life events, losing parents, losing Mm -hmm. close loved ones. Like, things like that are life-changing events. And so she talks about it. And I have noticed a massive difference in how she Mm -hmm. has been behaving and a slow maturity overall of Portia, especially since what was it season eight with the like horrible scandal with candy being a cute, you know, all of that. Since then, I feel like it's been a steady rise of Portia's character Mm -hmm. and like growth. 
And this is kind of the culmination of that growth period. Yeah. And I also think like when you, obviously this has come up a lot this season. Um, I mean, more so like online that uh, Porsche was the one who, you know, didn't understand the underground railroad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like after that comment, I was like, this girl is dumb, but she actually isn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And like her, her humor is actually very, very witty and like intelligent. So funny. Like she is so funny. She's a modern Um, day Lucille Ball. And like, and and, you know, a lot of the women are, only funny in their confessionals um like lisa barlow from salt lake city i think is very funny in her confessionals but like she's had time to think of those lines portia is funny in the moment and like in her confessionals like just a steady funny all the time she is hilarious i love her and i don't know i stand portia luther king (laughs) (laughs) i really appreciate her You know, and she's giving us like her serious side. She's giving us her fun side. She's been super honest with us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's all we'd like to see. Um, Did you, uh, did you you ever watch um, Friday Night Lights? Yeah. Oh, I loved that series. Um, So at at the party, like before Portia gets there, Candy and, and Cynthia are sitting down together talking. And like, they just kind of have this like, look to them where they it like you they feel like the old guard and then Portia gets there and a little bit later they're like um Candy's like well if you're feeling like if I'm feeling old you must be feeling ancient and it kind of was like middle of the series Friday Night Lights when Riggins in street have to like leave to like go and they're just like looking on at like the youngsters who are still there but you're like, no, like you're, you're my, like, you know, my main people don't go, don't go. And it, I don't know, there was, was something sort of like, like senior ish about them in that moment that um, I thought, like I saw it. And then once Candy like mentioned the thing about the age, I was like, oh yeah. Like, yeah. I see it too. I just wish they wouldn't keep casting such young housewives. It for, mm-hmm. I always say the only like season or the franchise I feel like it really works on to have young is Potomac because Ashley was so well cast um, and she is so young. But in general, I don't like seeing people my age or younger. And in general, Mm -hmm. I really like seeing women in their upper forties, fifties, sixties. They seem to have more of life lived. And so it's interesting to hear about their lives, you know? Well, and also you don't have to see their little kids. Yeah, Which it's so annoying. I, I don't really want like it's annoying. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Although Portia is not annoying about it. Like she doesn't make no. her baby everything. Even though she was pregnant yeah. on screen, she was still hilarious and amazing in herself. Yeah. I don't know how she mm-hmm. did it. I like almost like you know when the Countess, like when Countess Luann was first cast, she had already lived mm-hmm. such a life, right? Yes. And uh-huh. She's only continued to live that crazy life, mm-hmm. and we've just been along for the ride. I like women yeah. to be cast at that age because if they're good and they stay, we get years and years of them. R- Ramona and Sonia, also amazing. I don't need to see another thirty-three-year-old, thirty-two-year-old housewife with marriage problems because right. their husband's an asshole and they're going on the show to get their own money so they can eventually mm-hmm. get divorced. Like, I don't want to, we've seen that so many times. It's not interesting. So Mm -hmm. no shade to Drew, but I would like to know more about her than just what we're seeing with her relationship. 
And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wish Ralph would just go away and we just had Drew because I think she seems like a fun person. Yeah. And I don't think that she can really like get out of his, I don't know, his like grasp or whatever. But also, I think like, I feel like he was trying to make the argument that, uh, just to go back to that for a sec, I feel like he was trying to make the argument that, um, no, it's better that I left. Like it, like it was better for like the family that I left. And I don't know, like if he was insinuating anything or, or, or whatever, but if you have to say it's better that I left, I don't think that you're like, a, you should be in a relationship and like with children at that time, <laughs> like you need to go work right. on yourself. If, if you feel the need that like you're going to do something and you need three days to be away from your family. So you don't, then that's an issue. Yeah. I'm not a fan of him and I don't want to see any more of him. And I hope yeah. we don't have to. And I don't want to hear her being like, oh, he saw the show. And just like he realized that he was just being really tough. And we've been working on it. He's so good now. Like I'm so sick of these women explaining away their shitty husbands. I'd rather Michael have Michael Darby. Yeah. It's annoying, but at least she's like moves on from it and doesn't try to be as performative anymore. She yeah. used to be performative and be like, look at what a wonderful husband he is. She's not trying to do that shit anymore. She knows, right. we know he sucks. But you've got Kenya, like now trying to like backtrack everything with Mark. You've got, you know, I don't know. I'm just tired of it. We've seen it. Yeah. Something new. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more interesting when the women don't have husbands. When they're actually not wives. Which is why New York is so amazing. <laughs> yeah. The Real Housewives of New York is so amazing. Yeah. I, I It's my favorite. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. I loved all oh, of thank, your insight. For and uh, thanks for confirming some of my suspicions. <laughs> I, did, I, production. Did, I did not confirm. Nope. Confirm or deny. I, uh, I just asked how... You heard that. That was all. I did not confirm. <laughs> well, tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram at not quite reality. Not quite reality. And that's that's the only place. Awesome. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. you so much for being on. We'll definitely have to have you back as the resident producer expert that can kind of let us know maybe what might have been going on in people's productions heads during certain things. Uh, I, I Yes. <laughs> yes, I would love to come back. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating. Leave a nice note if you enjoyed it. And follow me on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. That stands for Is This Real Life underscore podcast. Take care.
Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. 